Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Paranormal Roundtable. Tonight, we give you back to your host, Wolf and Sal, as they bring you the second part of their interview with paranormal investigator Anna Coach. She investigated Fox Hollow Farms, and she has some really great stuff for us. So, what other good stuff went on out there? Sure. Well, I've got another uh, EVP for you guys. Hopefully, this will come through okay. And, you know, with EVPs, anyone who's used to listening for like this, um, sometimes you have to listen to it 10,000 times, and it, it kind of takes a minute for your brain to pick up that undertone of, of the human voice that's there. I call um, that an art form. It definitely takes practice so you can pick up and, and, and have, for lack of better words, have an ear for it, of what's coming up. Right. Right. Yeah. And some of them you listen and you're like, come on, guys, really? Like, you're you're really stretching here. But then other ones, are, you know, you call it a grade A EVP. And um, it's sort of one of those things where once you hear it, you, you can't unhear it. And you realize that's definitely a distinct human voice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, so the setup for this one is that we were in the pool room. Uh, and um, I'm trying to think of, of the circumstances surrounding it. It was so long ago. Oh, and actually, there's kind of a cool story to this one. This one I literally stumbled on yesterday for the very first time. Uh, I was getting files together for the show, and uh, I was looking at this long, long list of audio links that I had, or, or audio files, and I was looking for a specific one. And so I was kind of clicking through a couple, and I just happened to click on this one out of like a 100. And I'm listening to it. And within the first seven seconds, I realized that there was a voice on there. So I sent it to my teammates to get their opinion. And they're like, yeah, there's definitely a voice on there. And that's definitely none of us. We all went back and forth and said, could it have been this? Could it have been that? And we came to the consensus that there just really is no explanation. Awesome. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. It's so amazing. If, if your guy wants to pull up what I hate to like give away what I think is as an advance but so he knows what which one um it's the pull her out or at least that's what it sounds like that's, that's the us, title sounded, right yeah it, it sounded like all around or pull her out or something and it's a it's a whispery male toned voice i think maybe if he wants to play the one second clip first so that people can kind of know what to listen for mm -hmm. and then if he wants to play the 11 second one afterward and that'll give some context sure well hey let's let's go ahead and do that let's run it Can you guys hear that at all? Yeah, yeah, that was the one second one. Yeah. You want to run that one again? Go ahead. One more time, please. It's weird. It's creepy. Keep going. Now, are we ready for the 11 second one, uh, uh, Anna? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Let's it. run that one, too. Okay, Tony, play it. So to explain, you hear me sigh at the end. It happens. It's right at the end of that shuffling noise. But there's a distinct there's a distinct other layer of sound there that you can tell is a, like a human sounding voice. And it's we're all one thousand percent sure that it's none of us. Wow. I wonder what it's making reference to. Pull her out. Well, the other interesting thing is it's the pool room. And at one point, unfortunately, I hadn't marked this clip, so I can't remember exactly like where we we're all sitting or what we were doing at the time but my teammates all took a dip in the pool i uh conveniently left my swimsuit at home i don't really like swimming in dead 
people's particulate matter. So yeah. I decided not to go for a dip. And plus the pool was not heated. So I also had that excuse. But they went swimming. And I mean, if you think about it, this, this is complete conjecture on my part, obviously, as is a lot of this field of research. But if you think about it, Herb did like men, not women, and there was only one woman in the pool at that time. And what I hear um, is is something very quick, like pull her out. And I can't help but wonder, like, are they saying something about about my teammate in the pool, or you know, I really don't know. We'll never know. But but that's kind of what I took from it. That's interesting. And, and this happened right as they were. Were they engaging in swimming and having all that fun in there or, or see, shortly that, after? Yeah. See, unfortunately that's uh, what sucks is I'm actually not sure because usually at the beginning of an audio clip, we do a verbal cue to say, this is so-and-so and so-and-so in this room and this is the time um, and the date. But unfortunately for whatever reason, that audio clip doesn't have that. It just starts w without any indicator um, I do know we're in, yeah, I do know we're in the pool room. I'm just not sure exactly what we were doing. The only other thing I was thinking of outside of what you just mentioned, and you mentioned that he had mannequins all around the pool and stuff like that. Were they female mannequins yeah. or were they male mannequins or a mixture of they, both? They were both. He, yeah, he was, uh, non-discriminatory in his mannequin selection. It was pretty damn creepy. You know, the only, and this is conjecture, just like you said, maybe at one time during one of these events in one of these uh, victims that he got that they started playing in the pool and one of the, you know, victims pulled one of those mannequins in there playing with it. And of course, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's just, that's pure conjecture and yeah, speculation, but th well, that could be... He probably swam in there alone sometimes, and Lord knows what he was doing when he was on his own, um, or even with other people. So we'll never know. He took those secrets to the grave. But yeah, it really does make you wonder. And one other thing that kind of ties in with the female theme, it, it, I mean, I don't even know if that's exactly what it's saying. It, it does. I listened to it about 10,000 times yesterday and um, tried different speakers, because that makes a difference, uh, which, by the way... If if your listeners are having a hard time listening to it, try earbuds, try different speakers. It really does make a big difference sometimes. This was not my team's first trip to Fox Hollow. It was my first trip, but I had taken a hiatus for a little while. Uh, and so I did not go on their first trip. However, when they did, our team leader, when he was swimming in the pool that time, uh, they caught a very distinct EVP. Unfortunately, I don't have that file at the moment uh, that says his wife's name. So that's kind of interesting because that's another female being re referenced in that pool room. That's very interesting. Wow. So now the other, um, I believe what, uh, how many, we got one more left that you sent us. So um, mm -hmm. why don't you yeah. uh, give us a little rundown on that one? Sure. Sure. Um, uh, okay. So this one's kind of interesting. We felt like we just, I'd be disrespectful at all regarding what happened to the victims, of course, but because all the remains have never been found um, in their entirety, we kind of felt like, uh, you know, we'd kick ourselves if we were there and we didn't at least try to look. And so we literally went and bought shovels and went out into the forested area. And we had, when Mark had guided us through the forest and pointed out where he claimed there were still remains. We made X's with um, with large sticks to, to mark the area so we knew where to come back and try to dig. So we came out there and we're digging. And we had a couple interesting things happen. 
prior to the EVP that we caught, we were using the um, uh, the Ovilus. I don't know how familiar you guys are with that. I've heard of the Ovilus. Yeah, I'm yeah sorry. it has a database of words. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, it has a database of words that will spit out. Sometimes it'll sit there for hours and absolutely nothing comes out. And then sometimes there's like all this jibber jabber and occasionally it doesn't make sense. But once in a while, it's so specific that it's kind of hard to to just shrug it off. So we're literally out there digging in the dirt. It had been completely quiet uh, on this device. And then suddenly it gave us three words, which were grave, attitude and gentle. And I actually sent you guys a photo of that on the screen of the device so that you can see what it said. And to me, I don't know, I mean, grave while we're digging and attitude gentle. We took that as maybe saying, like, have some respect. And so we we verbally said, you know, if that's you, we mean absolutely no disrespect. We feel horrible about what happened to you. And we're just trying to help find who is still here so that hopefully their families can get some closure. And immediately after we said that, that we were doing it with the utmost respect, it said, great. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and so to me, I was like, okay, that's kind of, that's a little bit hard to dismiss is just random in my opinion. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So then as we're digging um, and there's a photo of this too, I don't know if you guys will, will put that up, but as we're digging, we found, what looked like it could potentially be a tooth. Uh, but as I said, a lot of these remains were burned. They'd been out there, you know, since like the the early to mid 90s. Yes. So they've been weathered. So it was kind of hard to tell. And we're like, is that a pebble? Is it wood? Is it a tooth? So we started messing around with it. And my teammate took her nail. She was the one holding the photo. And starts kind of scratching at it. And I, you'll hear me on the audio saying that I think that it's a, like a pebble or a stone at first. And keep in mind, too, that, that Richard, our team leader, he's a paramedic, so it's not like he's not familiar with anatomy. And you'll hear him on the audio saying, I don't know, I potentially be a tooth. So she starts scraping at it, and there's this weird stuff that, like, it's, like, flaky and it rolls off. Mm -hmm. um, so we realized, we realized that's not a stone. And uh, basically right at that moment is when we caught the, the last EVP that I'll play for you guys. That we think that it's saying something along the lines of wait that um, or that right there, something similar to that. It seems to be three words. And immediately before the three words, you hear kind of almost this, uh, this squeak, like somebody's trying to get air out of their lungs. Like they're, they're trying to force themselves to say something. And then the words flow out in quick succession right afterwards. Wow. And on that one, it's kind of hard to pick up at first. So on that one, I'd recommend starting with the shortest clip and then maybe going to the, the longer one. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's see if we can get that thing rolling on here. You ready? That is weird. And that's me, obviously, at the end saying that is weird. I know it's super fast. You have to really listen for it. And it sounds like somebody strained air. Um, and unfortunately, you kind of need speakers, but I swear it's in there and it definitely, definitely sounded human to all of us. And it's absolutely 100% none of us. Okay. So if you want to play one of the longer clips, like maybe the 14 second one, you'll hear us talking about this thing, trying to decide if it's a tooth or not. Sure. And then the, the words are like really hidden in there super quick. Oh yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's run that one. You ready? Oh, that's, that's really flaky. Oh yeah. That, maybe that's not a stone. 
That is weird. Yeah, you can hear somebody. You can hear somebody trying to like. It's like like that. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Wow. Well, it's kind of like a like a strange squeak, and then a wait right there, like really, really fast in a whispered tone. Unfortunately, I don't know if it'll sound the same to the to the listeners or on your end, but that audio doesn't sound quite as clear as it does in the file that I have. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you guys can tweak it or something to kind of bring out that tone. Um, that actually, even though the audio isn't as good on that one, uh, that was actually one of our more distinct EVPs that we got. And it was interesting since we're talking about a tooth and discussing, is it a tooth, isn't it? If it does say something like that right there or wait right there, I don't know. It, it was just interesting timing to get a voice. It sounded like they, they're, they're, like when you were saying the lungs heaving the air, it's, it did sound like that. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's creepy all the way around. I've I've heard one other EVP that is close to the that is as clear as the first one the first clip uh we played and um this came from a friend of mine and he swore up and down i have no reason to doubt him it he caught it at his house in the houston area and uh and it was something to the effect that his kids were in the bedroom and this, they were just recording with the phone you know like an iphone and they were in there by themselves and they said is anyone here and then Shortly after that, I'm almost not even half a second after that, you hear a yeah, and the kids swore up and down. The kids swore up and down. They they told it, you know, told my buddy Joe. You know, his dad said no, it wasn't us, Dad. We didn't do this. We're not trying to play a joke. So right. it was amazing when I heard it, and it was clear. And I was well, just, I was tripped out. That's for sure. Oh, I'm sure. And it's funny you mentioned that we didn't get this EVP. This was something that Joe LeBlanc, the tenant who lived on the upper floor of the carriage house. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can find it online. It's I know it's yeah, in one of the documents. I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, he yeah. Says, he says, the just, married one, right? Yeah, yeah. He just used his phone mm -hmm. and made sure everything was really quiet, turned off the fan, and he was asking, is there anybody, anybody here? here? And a voice pretty distinctly says the married one. The and married I thought one. to myself, well, that could be that one of the victims was married, or it could be that they're trying to say that Herb did it. He's the married one. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I, I took away from it that 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 they were all gay men, so most of them weren't married. And mm -hmm. Baumeister probably was saying that it was him, the married one. That's yeah, that's very possible. That could very well be it. Wow. It's yeah, just... I, I know that there was something we had talked about um, before that there was somebody that I that I had was talking to you about, and they had worked in the house that was the boyhood home of Ted Bundy. They didn't right. know that it was his boyhood home. and They, they found that to, out after the fact, right? Yeah, and that yeah. there was something that pulled his shirt and then got pulled off a ladder. And then afterwards, they find out that it was Bundy's boyhood home. So, yeah, it is It is very wow. uh, uh, common, I guess, that these psychos or whatever have... Leave all that residual yeah, The Lizzie energy. Borden house comes to mind. Yeah, that's... Uh, the, the unfortunate thing about the Lizzie Borden case is, is that... They didn't get as much hard evidence as they claim. I don't know. That's what I've heard. But at the same time, it's hard to tell because it's been so long. And it, it, it was a very prolific case it, just due to the to the uh, savagery that was involved with those killings. But it, I don't know. It, it just, to me, it was, that one is just on its face was really savage. So 
I don't yeah. Even, you know. Well, they say that, that maybe her father was, you know, sexually abusing her. Yes. Is kind of a theory that they postulate. And if there was ever a reason to to snap in such a savage way, I think that would probably classify. I would, I would, I would be interested in finding out if anybody, if they could ever go and visit the area. Uh, I don't even know if the thing is still there, but the castle that Elizabeth Bathory was in, oh, her yeah, being, of be course, amazing. the most prolific serial killer of all time, was a female. That's, she killed over yeah. 650 women. Oh, yeah, to bathe in their blood? Yeah, she didn't just yeah. bathe in their blood. I mean, that's that. There, there was a book I read years ago when I was like a teenager or something. I was in you know, one of my stints in places of mm-hmm. keeping me in line or whatever. And, yeah, I had I was a wayward youth. So I did a lot of reading and somebody, it was a book called The Truth About Dracula or something like that. And part of it was about him, but then the other part was about Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of her before and I re- I just thought it was a book about Dracula. And so I read it, but then it had her in there and it talked about <clears throat> all the, the killings that she had done. And it was crazy, dude. Like, I mean, they didn't just, she didn't just bathe in their blood. That was like just something that they did. They kind of latch onto that. Like Jeffrey Dahmer ate somebody's biceps. They're like, he was a cannibal. Well, that's like saying that that she only killed these girls to bathe in their blood. No, right, it was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, a homosexual stuff going on oh, with yes. that too. You know, she was killing these women, and and there was all kinds of like right. sex games or whatever was well, going on between her and her her aunt, mm-hmm. and they were they were murdering their um, their victims their all these different kinds of ways, doing these horrible things to them, and and you know just it was just like. There was this one thing they would stick a man. It was like an Iron Maiden, and they would stand below them as the blood dripped down. You know, oh wow, they had a lot of sick fetishes. It was hor- it was horrible, dude. And then her her husband was a psycho too. He was some Baron or something. Well, it, uh, this, count count or whatever. And yeah, she, he, or a Duke or something. Whatever like he was, she was a countess, and she married some other noble turd. Well, he's a count, so. yeah, or some crap. But he was something else before, and he I don't know the whole story. Right. But then he taught her some other sadistic ways to torture people. You know, and. I mean, it was like just a sick, they were inbred sick people, you know, basically. Well, throughout from hung, history. From Hungary. Right. So, well, when you look at history and you start really digging in history, you'll find that uh, lots of the these nobles, you know, the, the aristocrats, a lot of them had some really sick and twisted uh, fetishes slash practices. And of course, in those days, you figure when when the aristocrats were you know, in power or had a whole lot of more power than they do today, they had a lot more overt power that stuff could be covered up, you know, quite easily by them. Some of the stuff they they did, not to mention, you know, a, apart from killing commoners, servants, et cetera, et cetera, it's you know there's there's other stuff such as pedophilia and junk like that's been it's talked about so it's there were some sick people up there the, but the, the place is called Kach it's spelled Kachtis but it says it's pronounced Kachtiki uh-huh. and it's it's a castle it's now in modern day Slovakia but she was a Hungarian noble yes if you ever want to read about this woman and then and then she it says it's the the Says that she is alleged to have been the world's most prolific female serial killer. Well, actually, there is nobody that we know of that single-handedly was responsible for the murder of 653 people by themselves. By yeah, so so, yeah. The only one that comes to mind right now for me that would even come close, and that's not 
that close as Henry Lee Lucas had 200 plus. Well, he claimed. Alleged. A he lot was trying to use it to get out of his cell so he could go drink Dr. Pepper and eat barbecue. That's what I think. Uh, yeah. I, oh, no, I think I he was just full too. of crap, um, you know. He was. He said, "I'm going to die anyway, so I'll take the blame for them all." Yeah, and he could get as out and go run, run around and have fun. It'll and, prolong. Know. It'll prolong his stint on death row. So, yeah, because I remember. What about the? Oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you oh, off. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, speaking of the most prolific killers, there. I can't remember his name. He was some like counter against some sort of nobility. I think he had fought with Joan of Arc and he was one of the biggest, sickest serial killers ever. And he exclusively tortured and um, did horrible things and murdered the, the local children in the area. Um, and I think he was finally tried and executed for his crimes, but he got his servants to dispose of the bodies. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't no, think of his I name. Do not. Mm, that is interesting. I've heard mention of something like that, but I've never gotten a name. But at the same time, those types of practices during those times, those eras were were commonplace. So yeah, well, and when you were noble, you got away with it. Yeah, because you had the overt yeah, power you could to do get away what with you stuff. wanted. But I mean, I don't think it was commonplace in the way that you know it was just. I think Not it was common much. for them. They could they could kill and rape, but then I, I don't think that they were all psychos. In that, no, no, that no, degree. no. I'm not saying that. I'm just. And, saying and of the course, old. there's been lots of people who've committed mass murder. I'm just talking about as far as like the sheer numbers that are accredited to one person. I think a Bathory was the the most prolific. Yeah. I don't I don't know anybody who came close to 653 people. I'd have to do some extensive research on that to see if we could find anybody come close to that. I, I haven't really studied serial killers like a whole bunch, but. Um, it's not like a passion or anything like that. A mind is, but it is an interesting topic. It's interesting, though. but then it just—it's also you know they're just so Blood psycho, and gore. they're so yeah. sick that it's hard to like digest it for any. You can't digest it all, and like you know, like I had these books. I had I had all these different time life series of books. I had one of ancient civilizations, and I had a I have a bunch of different ones of civil war, and I have I think a set of uh, serial killer ones, and I gave them to my nephew's ex-girlfriend because I just didn't, I couldn't read them for any length because it's just so, just, I don't know, man. The subject is so warped. I, I yeah. still like, we, you know, like I, you're talking about those women that were at the Bundy trial. Like what, what in the freaking heck are you doing? I mean, like yeah, it makes, it makes you glorifying wonder. these people that do these horrible freaking things and they're evil. I mean, and they're evil. And if, obviously, you know, according to the investigations you've done, I mean, their evil lives on. You know, uh -huh. they created more evil that just keeps perpetuating and, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just horrible. I know that um, when I was reading about some of Dahmer's stuff or whatever, and I just got to the point where I was like, oh man, I just couldn't read anymore. It was just so crazy. You know, I kind of felt that way when I was reading about the Aztecs. <clears throat> I was reading a, a book about the Aztecs and it was going extensively into all their practices. And it was, at some point I was just like, man, this is just so disgusting they were such a disgusting people. I just can't even, I don't even, they were like a whole race of serial killers. And for people yeah. to glorify them and put them up on a pedestal is just like beyond me, like how you can identify with that and even lament the destruction of their civilization when everything they did was based upon human sacrifice on a grand scale. Yeah. I believe that it started under the under their emperor of Guatemoc. I think he was one of the, the worst or first. And it was like, they kind of, traced it back to his uh i think it was his like reign or whatever where it really got bad because he had some sort of priest 
And that's when they began to worship death itself. And now you see how it perpetuates itself. You see a lot of these people that, that are into the uh, Santa Muerte, you know, and they, and they mm-hmm. worship it. And they, and they yes. like, I, I saw a guy that had a tattoo and I, I was talking to him about his tattoo. And uh, he told me, he says, that means the, the, the saint of death. I'm like, yeah, I know what it means. What does it mean to you? And he goes, well, God made me, Jesus saved me, but she protects me. And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. So whatever you're into, pal, you know, it's whatever, bro. You know, if you want to be, if you want to go to straight to hell when you die, I guess go ahead. I mean, that's your, you know, your choice. You know, I mean, like why waste your time with somebody like that? But I mean, I just know that, that, that is a very common thing, you know, and they, and they seem to have this whole, there's just this whole worship of, of death and murders and murderers in our society they'll they'll talk horribly about these mass killers of of these uh, leaders that they claim killed all these people or have people do it but then by the same token these people will admire these murderers that kill these people i don't i just don't get it i don't understand yeah. the whole well, you know the bible even kind of talks about that with the those who choose death and love death as opposed to those who choose and love life and i think in my opinion like attracts like and certain vibrations that are kind of on the same frequency definitely attract each other. So when you see these people that are just absolutely, and I don't mean like just a a passing curiosity and you kind of want to research it because it's morbidly fascinating. I mean, the people that are really into it and, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer's like their hero. You're right. I mean, that's just, it's just evil. That's completely evil energy. There's really no other way to, to get around it. But, you know, I've done a lot of research into um, near-death experiences, mm-hmm. and I know everybody has, has different belief systems, um, but I, I definitely believe in God. And from what I've researched, almost every single experience uh, I've heard somebody talk about where they came back to life, they said that you have to go through every experience, good or bad, that you've ever caused somebody else. Um, and even really infinite decimal stuff, uh, you have to see it from that person's perspective. So these sick people, even if they get away with it in this life, you know, I really personally don't believe that, that they get that forever. It just, it, it's mind boggling to think what drives these people to just start killing other people they don't even know. Well, you, Sal, yeah. as, as well, you know that in being in combat, that you do what you have to do in, in, in those situations, but it's not like you're there because you want to do it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's now you will run across people like that, <clears throat> you know? Um, you know, you'll run across people that are doing it for the money and you'll, you'll run across people that are doing it, you know, like Mercs. Yeah. And then you'll run across people that are doing it just because they enjoy it. Yeah. And th- th- you'll get a few of those, those, uh, the sociopaths. I mean, I think some of the, uh, Special Forces guys that I've dealt with over the years and, and encountered, there there have been probably you know just a handful of them that they they're pretty much no bones about it. It's just they, they the killing is their is... business and business is good. Mm-hmm. They they go from there and into the Merc work and and they just do what they do, you know, because it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Well, the body count gives them a paycheck, yeah. you know, and they get paid a lot more than you do for doing it. And, and, and the upside for you guys was that you get, you got a uh, small paycheck, but you had benefits. Now look at your benefits. They're not even really there. You don't really get anything. I mean, you got nothing. So you got a small retirement. That's about it. I mean, they, they just totally, you know, but Up that's why that system yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. That's why they, uh, these guys go into the Merc work, but some of them do it just because, you know, you could go into other lines of work, but mm-hmm. they do it because they enjoy it. 
they enjoy what they yeah, do. Yeah, and I mean, I've ran across a few in, in my day that were just, you know, absolute killers. They just enjoyed what they did. Uh, Peter Nears is one that comes to mind. Um, I don't know exactly what country. I think I think it was Bavaria or something. He killed 500 and some odd people. But he, did, he didn't even come close to the Bathory's number. No, I no. Mean, no, Bathory. Um, pretty the much number, the top The, the number was thrown out there. And this is according to Wikipedia. I don't, you know, I'd rather go to a what different source. What does Wikipedia source. say? 650. That was at the trial. 653, I thought there was. Right. They threw out the number, but it could never be totally and completely substantiated. And they didn't even execute her. No. She basically walled got up in a room. Castle, castle lockdown. That's what she got. Well, they, they they walled her up in a room. Yeah. So and then it, she was she was confined to the room for the rest of her life. So kind of a sort of imprisonment, and that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I, By the way, <clears throat> I found that guy's name. I'm not sure what his body count was, but if anyone feels like getting really creeped out and depressed, uh, the name is Baron de de Rai de I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's R A I S. Oh, Baron de Rais or Rise? Yeah. I, okay, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really creepy story. It was during the 1400s, so that's. And he fought with Joan of Arc, which makes it even weirder. Yeah, he was. So he was one of the cohorts or co- uh, of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say cohort. He was. <laughs> he fought against her, right? Or with? No, her? he fought with her. He fought with her. Oh, okay. I knew she was a piece of crap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not. I'm just joking. I just. So, so he. He was. I don't know much about her. I mean, I. I know a lot about history, and I've read a lot about history. All I know is the basic overview of her story. It, for some mm-hmm. reason, it just never was that interesting to me. I don't know. I just I know that there is a lot of um, history that I've read about in all in Asian, you know, European, um, but for some reason, her story just never did. I don't know. Never I, struck a chord with you. No, I didn't. I didn't. For some reason, the Middle Ages. Now, I had a lady tell me one time, and this might be a little bit off topic, but you know, it's our show. Who cares? Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it. This was woman one time. She, she, she believed in past lives and some of what she was saying kind of struck a chord with me because I remember having actually had these sort of weird dreams that I was having. And, and it was like, I yeah. was seeing these past lives. I've talked about that before and I haven't really gone into depth with it on, on any of these programs, but I will maybe at some point. And it was kind of interesting because she was laying it out there for me, you know, and she was a friend of mine's sister. I, mean, I only want to call her my my friend because she was, you know, into stuff that I was not into at all. Yeah, you weren't entertaining. No, and she was into tarot and all that kind of stuff and divination. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm not into that, you know, keep it away from me. But she was telling me about my past lives. And then she told me that I, as a soul, was not here during the Middle Ages. And I'm like, well, where was I? And she's like, well, you weren't, you were off planet. And then she began to talk about how I was a seven life path, which at that time I had no clue what that was. And so later on, uh, Scorpion got into listening to Glennis McCants mm-hmm. and numerology. And that's really cool. It's it's kind of like your life path number. And it just kind of, because I think everything is numbers. I think everything breaks down to numbers. Maybe it's because my dad's an engineer and my mom's an accountant. So I got mm-hmm. this whole number thing. Yeah. But like, it was like numbers. Everything is numbers. And I think that numbers tell us what we are and who we are. I think we're all just numbers really. And so um, I'm a seven life path. Years later, I found out and I thought, oh, that woman, well, this girl, she said that about me. And I don't know why she took so much time to research me, but she did. It probably just creeped me out. She was a little creepy kid. 
not a kid, but she was like, you know, 19 year old creepy kid, whatever. And she, she told me, well, she was weird, you know, she was into not goth, but like she would dress weird and she would walk by me and be like, someone close to you is going to die. And I would just be like, okay. And then, no, I mean, then seriously, my aunt died. So I thought it was kind of odd. I was just like, your little sister's weird, dude. Like, what is up with that kid? You know, like, why is she so weird? And she was into all this like weird stuff, you know? And then she told me. All the esoteric stuff. Yeah. And she read some tarot cards at the table while I was, um, while I was, uh, hanging out over there playing, uh, video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she was reading tarot cards and she told me I was going to have some legal trouble, which I did, but it wasn't anything that it was. You know, I got accused of something and it, it blew over easily because I could prove my whereabouts, you mm -hmm. know, and for an ex-girlfriend of mine accused me of doing something to her car, which wasn't me. She had several people who did not like her. So it wasn't, you know, and the cop, <laughs> the cop questioned me and I was like, here's my ticket to the baseball game that I was at, you know, and I was with my dad. So don't try to blame me, you know? So that was pretty easy. And I was like, so I told her later on, I was like, is that your legal trouble? And then she goes, I don't know, it was legal trouble. Nothing else ever happened, so I don't know what the heck she's talking about. But, I mean, I guess you could say that was it. because I Technical. Didn't, I guess I got yeah. talked to by the cops. I don't know. Yeah. But she was like one of those people that, that was really, really gave me a creepy vibe. And um, I always thought that <clears throat> that she was, con, con, you know, cavorting with spirits or something, something evil. And I always felt really creeped out in that house. And my friend would describe seeing these shadows that he would see moving around his, not, not his sister, actually it was his stepsister's room. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I always thought maybe there was something to that, but. Could have been playing with a Ouija board Ouija or something. board or something. I don't Ugh. know, but I know that she was Ouija telling boards. me that, about this, uh, you know, that I was not here during the Middle Ages. And I always thought about that because I have a really, really, really deep fascination with the ancient world. Mm -hmm. But not with the Dark Ages. Like the Middle Ages are really don't really interest me and it's not really something I'm into. And I don't feel any real affinity towards it. Right. But I, I asked her. So I said, okay, so when did I return? She said, well, you were off of this planet and then you came back. And I was like, when did I come back? And she told me that I came back in the 1800s. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense because I really don't have a whole lot of fascination with anything from the Middle Ages. It's like after the early, the the late Roman period, then yeah. my, my whole history thing, I, I read it and I studied it, but it wasn't it real wasn't, interesting. Yeah. It was just kind of there. Like I read about Trafalgar and all these other things, you know, yeah, the got, Crimean got, War, uh, but it wasn't like really, it didn't strike a lot of nerves with right. me. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I don't, I like reading about the, uh, all the whole deal with the Roman Empire and then of course up to all the way to the fall and shortly thereafter. Yeah. And then, and then you, the, then you, then you know, like my friend, my roommate, he was into the Templars uh -huh. and he was telling me all about it. And he was always talking about them and the Rosicrucians. And I know a lot about that subject. But yeah, it's just I, not... I think it's a cool subject to learn about like you. It's just, I don't find that fascinating. I catch. I don't that. either. I don't either. He's always into, and I had another, another friend of mine named Keith, who's always, always, and he's into medieval weaponry and mm -hmm. I collect swords too, but he's like really over the top into the Middle Ages and all that, the Renaissance Festival, Correct, and that yeah. does not interest me at all. So I just kind of wondered if if that guy's uh, sister was correct. Maybe I wasn't here, and I just not into it. Maybe I didn't live during that time. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. If I mean, you believe in the whole concept yeah, of reincarnation, yeah. if you, know, you subscribe to it, yeah. World War One, World War Two were very interesting to me. Um, the eight, the late eighteen hundreds, and then the Western time was very interesting to me. Uh, don't really get much into, you know, like, um, beyond that. Like, I'm just like, once I go to that point, you know, yeah. and I don't know why, I think that's just weird. I, I always wondered that, you know, 
Well, that is definitely a topic for another show sometime. We talk yeah. about the whole the numbers and stuff. But, you know, with that being said, Anna, do you have anything else related to the house and, and y'all's investigation? You know, the only other thing I have, it, it's not paranormal at all. It's just, I, I don't know, I find it humorous and my, my teammates got a kick out of it. So just a brief story if you want me to go into sure. it about our last night there. Yeah, throw it out there. Okay, so where this was located, again, the forest is really dense, really thick, really humid. And uh, we decided on our last night that we would go, we always do like a last night team photo, a survivor's photo, we call it. Correct. And so we thought it'd be neat to go out and hike down into the forest and do it out there. And uh, so it's pitch black and uh, we did get the photo, but it, it was complete darkness until the flash went off. So up until then, we couldn't see anything. But my my teammate, she walked out in advance and she was shining a, a flashlight around. And my whole team knows that I am absolutely a total and complete arachnophobe. Like, I cannot stand spiders. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. talking to one here. Yeah, you, 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 you. And I'm probably in the wrong line of research for that, because you always find yourself in, like, creepy attics yes. and basements. That is one of the reasons I told Sal that I can't do it. Yeah, he, he's... Yeah, it's... You got it's a kindred spirit creepy. over here. <laughs> Not yeah, well, that's spiders. just how much I, I love researching the paranormal. I'm willing to face my greatest fear. That's awesome. But anyway, so... <laughs> What's uh, uh, they were merciful. They didn't tell me this at the time. Thank goodness, because I would have uh, I would have been another victim of Fox Hollow because I would have just keeled over dead right there. But basically, she walked out in advance with the flashlight and she's shining it around the forest. And she's like, what the hell is this like weird glitter everywhere? It looked like green glitter just all over the place. And then she suddenly realized that the glitter was moving, like, all over the forest floor. And then she realized, oh, no, those are spider eyes. <laughs> and she said the entire floor of this forest was alive. Like, they were just scuttering everywhere. And um, they knew that I wouldn't go out there if they told me. So so she, she told Richard, and they kept their mouth shut. And I was already paranoid because, you know, I'm not stupid, of course. I knew there was a lot of bugs out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, like, trying to keep branches from touching me and stuff. But we got out there, long story short, and got the photo. And thankfully, I didn't die a spider bite or anything but oh man had i known i would have been so horrified and it wasn't until a completely different trip uh we were coming back from gettysburg and <clears throat> pardon me and my friends and i are sitting at, at an airport restaurant um eating and he's like hey by the way did you know this it's like hell no i didn't know that <laughs> and um so yeah the survivor's photo is definitely a survivor's photo for me because there's no chance in hell i would have gone out there had they told me wow that's really interesting I, I hate spiders too, with a passion. I just really, <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I can't stand them. I just can't stand them. I mean, I, I, I've just, my, my wife used to collect black widows Ugh. and her and her ex like actually had a bunch of them and a collection. Yeah. And I, I was like, I asked them like, how do you, how, you know, like when we went out there to California, I mentioned that, like, how did you stand, you know, all those spiders around you, you know, and he was just kind of shrugged his shoulders. Like, I'm like, well, whatever, dude. <laughs> I told her, I was like, there's going to be no spiders around me. If I can help it, I'll kill every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny that such a little thing can be so frightening. But in my opinion, just nothing should have that many legs. That's just it's gross. I mean, it's nasty. I don't even like crabs. 
Because they got the same eight things going on, you know, and yeah, that whole. Well, I studied it too. That that they that the crustaceans are the ones that gave rise to the arachnids. They were water scorpions. Yeah, that came out of the water onto the yeah. land, and then they eventually evolved some in, offshoot into spiders. Right, and it's just like yeah. they're just nasty. They're gross. I don't, you know, I just don't like these eight legged scorpion. My roommate scorpion used to have a king scorpion named Samson. Oh. He was a, an emperor scorpion. He was really big, yes. and he was kind of cool. One of those black ones, yeah, those big, big badass. Black ones. Yeah, and he could. He, he was pretty cool. Like he, you could put like spiders and stuff in his container, and he would kill and eat them. Awesome. And so I told Scorpion, "That's fine. If you find a, a nasty spider, just throw it in there with him." <laughs> oh wow, that's awesome. <laughs> he would play with it too. It would, yeah, he'd pull yeah, it out and it'd crawl all over him, and it never stung him or anything. But right. I just I didn't want it on me, and I said that thing better not get loose because I'll kill it. I mean, that's the end yeah. of him, you know. Hey, being an arachnophobe is, I think it's quite common, more common than what people think. A lot of people have it. It's that. because of, of the, I think it's our genetic uh, uh, history, like our ancestral memory. Right. We've been poisoned and killed by these things. And, well, I'm and, not, I mean, I'm not an arachnophobe. I don't want spiders all over me, but it's, they don't freak me out. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You're a weirdo. <laughs> You're a weirdo. But it definitely freak me out. You know, I, Everyone who knows me have an extremely distinct spider scream oh, where if okay. they hear it they're like oh it's a spider she's not being murdered it's just a spider okay yeah i had uh, my youngest son when he was little i had to break him of the fear of roaches he was afraid of cockroaches oh that'd be a worse fear just because they're they're everywhere there's so many yeah. of them yeah. and and if you're in a place where they are mm -hmm. then they they're just you know they're everywhere yeah, I don't know how you could even you wouldn't be able to survive. All I mean, you do is just step on them. I mean, that's 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 my my cure all to it. And I had to basically lock myself and him in a bathroom, small bathroom, with a dead cockroach to take that first step. Once I got him in there, it's just me and him. And this is a short you made version him of eat story. It? Yeah. No, no, no. I made oh, him look okay. at it. I said, look, it's dead, and I explained it to him. You put it in his ear, him, made him eat it. All that stuff, and I, I explained it to him, look at it and everything else. So that was the first step. But once he got past that, on that first step, it was a, it was a good process afterwards and good steps every time to the point where you see one, I'd be like, you know, he had this look on his face. Like, grab that freaking, uh, <laughs> grab that freaking uh, shoe over there and smack it, kill it, and then, you know, get a, you know, get a paper towel, pick it up in that, throw it in the trash, and... Once he did that the first time, everything was smooth sailing after that. Now he eats them regularly. No, he doesn't eat them. I would only that eat a cockroach you know if of, I had to. That you no. know of. No. If you were on Fear Factor with- He still with, has a disdain with for With Tyrone them. Biggums and Joe Rogan, you'd have yeah. to eat them and worms. Hey, but I've ate worms before. It's not that bad. Yeah, well, yeah, they're not so bad. No, you just wash them off and they don't taste like anything. I've eaten ants. Yeah. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> what's, what's really disturbing, though, is like I, I went to a house one time. Where a friend of mine, I was helping him out, and we we went to his his uncle's house, what it was, but his mom and dad were living there temporarily with the uncle, mm -hmm. and so I was going to help him move. And I went with my brother, and we sat down on the couch, and we felt all this weird. I felt all this weird something, and I look looked down at my leg, and there was like two of them crawling over my leg. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, and they were on <laughs> oh, wow. the couch, dude. And I got off. I jumped up, and I was like, oh. And it was so messed up. And then, and then we went back to one of the back bedrooms, and there was like roaches on the walls. There, they were all, the whole house. 
I can only imagine. They have paper The everywhere? entire house was infested with them, dude. They were in the bathrooms. They crawled over the counters. Yeah. How could these people live like that? And, of course, his parents were not living there. They wanted to get out. And oh. so when we were outside, you know, the guy, his dad spoke very, very broken English. But he told me, he's like, he's like, la cucarachas, you know, everywhere. Yeah. And, he's like, he's like, and they only been there for like two or three weeks. But I was like, can you imagine living in that place two or three weeks? Because... They were everywhere. I mean, they were just absolutely everywhere. And my brother was like, he goes, I don't want to touch anything. They're just everywhere. Mm. It yeah. was it was like, I, I just helped them get their bed and their dresser and I got the heck out. And I was like, right. yeah, I got to go, dude. I can't do anything else. <laughs> not, 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 not afraid of them. I no, just, it's, it's just gross. And they're just unsanitary yeah, and nasty. Yeah, they're very unsanitary. That's the only time that's ever happened, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I had a friend of mine tell me one time that, that they were doing a remodeling job and one of them fell in his coffee. Wow. And he started to drink it, and it was right there swimming out around in his coffee. And he looked up, he looked up, and they were all in the freaking light, like the fixture where they pulled it off. You know, these people that had lived in the people, people are nasty, dude. They live Some in these people, dirty, yeah. nasty, and they it's like it's just normal or something, you know? Like it's man. it's amazing, but people are strange. People are strange. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how you could live in a place where your whole house is just infested with bugs. Yeah. Some people do. Some people do. Yeah. I guess people can can acclimate themselves to just about anything, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what you're accustomed to. Who knows? Yeah. I remember um, my dad told me he's always done a lot of business travel. And this had to be back in like the 80s or 90s um, before China, you know, had their big boom in technological advancement. And he said there were literally like entire herds of cockroaches that would come up out of the sewer, across the street, go down into the sewer on the other side. I mean, like herds yeah. of them just absolutely everywhere and they were in all the hotel rooms you'd flip on the light and it would have moved like six feet and you know they're really sensitive to light so yes uh you turn it off they move you flip it on they're just frozen but they're all in different positions all over the room i mean talk about creepy oh god that sounds gross well, i've never been to china and i have no plans on ever going yeah that's just, <laughs> it's just so gross man i mean I don't know, man. I I just really have no desire to ever deal with any of that. But no. <laughs> oh man. Well, when the you think about it, they carry. Yeah. Dude. When you think about it, cities, because there's a lot of people who are very dirty out there. So cities were, in my opinion, are more likely to have a higher concentration of them than out in the wild, because out in the wild they have their natural predators that munch on them all the time. You know. Yeah. So, Tony's then, reminding me that I went to Hong Kong. I'm like, yeah. Hong Kong's not China, dude. Well, yeah, it is. It, it is. Well, but when you went, it really wasn't. No, it wasn't. China. It was actually part of the Brit. It was part of Britain at the time. Britain, yeah. Britain had still it was control. Under British control. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and they do not want to be a part of China. And I'm like, well, that that doesn't really count. And yeah. the place that I went to in Hong Kong, I had friends, and we weren't staying in a Roach Motel, no pun yeah. intended. But yeah, I've I've been to uh, Taiwan twice, and uh, it's. You know, it's a different culture, but it's definitely different than China. I haven't been there with oh, all the yeah. stories I've told, and and Tai the Taiwanese feel the same way. Where it's like, no, we're not, we're not Chinese. Don't associate us right. with that. Not that I'm saying anything bad about Chinese people, but just you know, they have they, some different customs well, and foods that mm-hmm. are very weird to Westerners. Well, that's what baffles me. Is unfortunately in the colleges and universities. For some reason, apparently, they're not teaching these kids about the millions and millions and millions of people that died and suffered as as a result of these ideologies. Yeah, they just hear like, "Oh, everybody's equal and free stuff." Sounds good to me. Yeah, and we're all going to get really- iPods. Yeah, right. The e- the the uh, the feel good stuff. They only focus on the feel good stuff. 
exactly. But yeah, and you you have one more thing that you were going to tell us. Yeah, if, yeah, if we can get into that and and then we can wrap it up. Wrap it up. But we yeah, yeah. I I know it's um late where you guys are, so I wasn't sure if you me to go into that or if you wanted to do that. Let's you know, do separately it. Let's finish or it. Sure. No, sure. Uh, tell us about it. This is, I mean, this okay. is the paranormal roundtable. So, if it doesn't fit with it the is. scope of what we were discussing, uh, you know, with your adventures out there at, at uh, you know, the the former uh, Herb Baumeister residence, it's okay. So please let yeah, us no, let it, us have it. Let us hear it. It definitely doesn't have to do with anything to do with Fox Hollow Farm. Um, it's something that that happened to me personally, and it's actually why I originally got in touch with Wolf. Um, I've never really talked about it publicly at all, so this is a first. Simply because it does sound com- like totally insane, I completely recognize that. So, uh, let's see, where should I start? So basically. Um, I used to live up in the mountains. Uh, I'm located here in Colorado. I lived up in Breckenridge and ran a ski lodge up there. And I decided kind of last minute to move back down to the Denver metro area. And my family owns a 50-acre property in Franktown, Colorado. Um, And it's like an agricultural hay property. And it it has uh, a living space there and stuff it's really beautiful so it's got like flat open areas but it also has some rock outcroppings and trees so it's it's not just one blank flat plain um but it's definitely kind of more in the plains and that that'll come into play a little bit later so um sorry i think my day quill's wearing off (laughs) uh so um they said well we we have a space so why don't you just move in here for a little while so i was with my ex at the time he and I were together for seven years, and we're still good friends. Um, and uh, so we decided to move in there, and that was in 2014. So living there for a little while, and then in the fall of 2014, I don't remember the exact date, but I know it was the fall, and it was actually a pretty warm night. Uh, my ex um, is a Marine. He was in the, the U.S. Marine Corps, and he picked up the habit of smoking. And so he had stepped outside to have a cigarette, and we had been in the middle of just some mundane, everyday conversation. Uh, and so I decided to to follow him out and stand with him while he smoked so that we could keep chatting. I'm standing out there and uh, basically um, picture our backs to, like the front door is right behind our backs. We're standing right in front of the front door. And we're looking out kind of into the vast expanse of land. And it had uh, just gotten dark. I think it was around like nine o'clock at night. Wasn't super late, but it was definitely dark. And um, on this property, when it's dark, I mean, it's dark. Uh, There's no lights around. Um, It's a gated community, but there's basically my family bought it in 2008, right before the market crash. So there were going to be other houses on the adjacent lots, but because the market crashed, the real estate market right then, um, those never got built. So the closest house is probably at minimum a 10 minute walk away. Uh, and you have to get in the car and like drive just to get, get to the mailbox, which is close to the nearest house. So there's definitely nobody to, uh, to go run to and knock on the door. We were pretty much alone out there. So we're standing out there chatting. And although it was super dark, uh, there were 
very large kind of lantern style lights um, on the four corners of the house. And those actually cast quite a bit of light. And also the windows, um, there's some large windows in the living room and the kitchen, those were open. So the light from inside was also shining out. So like around the perimeter of the house, it was pretty well illuminated. He's my ex, uh, he's standing on my left and he's kind of um, facing to the right, like towards me a little bit. Likewise, I'm on the right and I'm angled slightly looking to the left, facing towards him as we chat to try to kind of give you an idea of this worked. And uh, over to the left, the direction that I was looking, there's basically a hill over there. And when I say a hill, we were at the top of the hill, like it plateaus and that's where the house is. So this hill actually sloped downward and it goes down uh, into a, a really secluded little flat area down there. Um, and there's a creek and, and everything. It's probably the most private spot on the property. So I'm just looking that direction, no spooky feelings or anything. Like it was a completely normal night. And uh, suddenly I see this thing come up from over the hill and it came into the to where the light was shining, uh, which was on the driveway. So when I first caught sight of it, when it came out of the darkness, I'd say it was about 25 feet away, approximately. So it's still close, but it got a lot closer. So it comes up, and trying to describe this thing is kind of difficult without, you know, just sketching it for somebody. But obviously, I, I can't do that for your listeners, so I'll do my best to describe it. Um, it was in no way humanoid looking. It didn't really resemble anything earthly, um, but it was definitely moving with purpose and intelligence. And this thing was about, it was kind of teardrop shaped, um, a little bit fatter towards the bottom. And then it came to a point at the top. It was about three feet tall from base to tip vertically. And then at its widest point, um, it was about a foot and a half wide. And then it was floating uh, about a foot to a foot and a half off the ground. And uh, it didn't make any no noise at all. It was completely silent, um, but it was moving with definite like intelligence and purpose. And it went from uh, our left to the right, and my ex didn't it yet because of the way he wiggled, kind of looking off to the right. I happened to be looking where it had come up over the hill. Mm -hmm. Oh, also I should mention the, the shape of it. It wasn't a perfectly symmetrical teardrop. At the very top, it came to a really extreme point um, that then kind of like curved over. Uh, like I mentioned, it's um, if you picture an ice cream cone, that's the closest thing I can think of. Like when you stop the flow of ice cream and it comes to a point and then kind of flops to one side. Yeah. It looked sort of like that. Yeah. It looked like that as far as flopping to the side, but mm -hmm. it was not perfectly smooth. It was really like kind of and and sort of jutted in different directions and it, it I know I mentioned this to you guys when we spoke previously but the best way I can describe it is it had like an organic shape to it like it wasn't perfectly smooth or even it looked kind of I, I wish I had a better way to describe it but that's what it looked like it was solid solid matte black um, and I do mean solid there was nothing that was like wispy or misty um, Although it was physically moving through, the entire thing was moving and floating, it was gliding along, the shape itself wasn't moving that I saw whatsoever. I didn't see it like undulating or anything along those lines. So it was moving at a pretty speedy pace. It seemed like it was off to do something. It seemed like it, it had purpose. Um, 
Like it had some directive it was off to go do. And so it went from our left uh, towards our right. And I would say from the period of time I first saw it until it got further to our right was probably a good, um, probably a good six seconds. And I mean like one, 1,000 to, you know, like a long count. It doesn't sound that long, but when you're observing something that bizarre, it, it's plenty of time to get a good look at it. So it went a little ways past us, and then it's like it changed its mind, like it noticed us, and it decided that it wanted to come closer and get a better look. So all of a sudden, it changed course, it reversed course, and kind of slowed a little bit, did a U-turn, and then came back and... Uh, started to move closer towards us, and then it came to rest. It lowered its elevation just slightly and came to a complete motionless floating stop uh, under the branch of this little tiny kind of baby tree uh, that we have in the front. So at that point, it was only about 15 feet away from us, if that. It was super close. And this tree, it was fall, so it didn't have any leaves, and it's like really wispy, so it, it didn't block our view at all but it clearly lowered itself a little bit to go under that branch and uh sorry i get like nervous talking about it. it makes my heart rate speed up just thinking about it up until that point for some bizarre reason i actually wasn't scared at all i was just kind of staring in like this dumb wonderment i guess you could say just total shock and i didn't have the slightest feeling of fear because it's kind of like it's almost like what we talked about with spiders um people have not instinctual fear of certain things that their mind can classify. So you can see something scurry across the floor and jump before you even realize what it is. You have a fearful reaction. But when you see something that your brain has, you know, you've never heard a description of, you've never seen before, you've never heard anybody talk about anything similar, your mind just can't process what you're looking at. So that entire six seconds or so that I watched it float by, it's really bizarre but I didn't even say anything to my ex even though he was standing there still chatting away um, because I just I couldn't process what I was looking at it's like my brain was kind of a, a computer or almost like a Rolodex like going through all the possibilities and your your mind wants to come up with anything earthly to wow. describe to yeah you were kind of your brain was kind of vapor locked yeah yeah you could say that wow and um, and this is it strikes me as humorous now because it didn't actually look like this at all and it didn't move like this but what my brain came up with the only earthly thing was is that like an upside down floating black trash bag you know like those big construction bags it, it didn't actually look like that but that's all that I could come up with and it wasn't until it turned back around and came uh, and started to just float motionless under that branch that it suddenly clicked and then it was like sheer terror I mean head to toe like I could hardly move because my mind finally recognized the fact that this thing was definitely not a bag. It was definitely not from around here. And it was definitely extremely curious about us and observing us. And um, I really can't tell you how... <laughs> so you it's not from around here? Yeah. It's you came from around, around here, boy. Here. Like a floating trash bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, Honestly, like, had it been, you know, people always talk about dog man or like gray aliens, people describe a lot. If it had been something like that, at least 
I, I, I've heard of that before. So even though I still would have been terrified, at least I could have like classified what I was looking at with this thing. I couldn't, it was just this huge floating black solid mass. And when I say solid, I mean, this thing was just as solid and real and like in this reality, uh, as if there was a person standing right there and it was very clearly intelligent. And it's extremely creepy when you are looking at something that you know for a fact is looking back at you. You can feel it staring at you, but there's like no face or eyes or anything to look back into. It's just this solid black mass. So uh, when it finally clicked and that terror set in, the only thing I could muster to do, because I could hardly move, I was so scared, is I kind of managed to raise my arm and point at it. And uh, I won't cuss on the show, but I basically said, what the F is that? And he had been like in the middle of talking. He still hadn't noticed it at that point. And he fell completely silent and said, what? Because he, he could hear like I was really serious in my tone of voice. So he said, what? And he turned to look where I was pointing. And then he just fell completely silent and motionless and just stared straight ahead. And I would say he looked at it for probably only about three seconds or so. And uh, that was enough time, you know, in retrospect, I can tell he had that same process happen. Like, what the hell am I looking at? And then it finally clicked. Like, I think we're in danger. And so he went into Marine Corps mode and he started screaming at me, go, 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 meaning, you know, get inside the house. And uh, thankfully, thank goodness, the front door was right behind us. So we it was closed and we both literally were like scrambling uh, to get inside. And um once we did, we slammed the door shut. Now, this part I didn't actually see, but he said that as we were uh, trying to get through the door, he glanced back over his shoulder to try to, to see where this thing was at, and it had started approaching closer. So he said by the time we got in and slammed that door, it was only like maybe six feet away. So I don't know if that means like it wanted to come inside or what would have happened. I have no idea, but that made it a little extra horrifying in my book. And so, um, unfortunately, since it was so warm out, we had had our side door to the master bedroom, like wide open, all the windows were open. So we, I, he immediately, like I said, went into, you know, Marine Corps mode. He immediately ran to get uh, a gun, his gun. And I went and I, I like furiously slammed shut all the curtains, locked the doors, and both he and I were literally just shaking all over. There was so much adrenaline pumping through us. It it was like we couldn't really speak very much and we were just our hands were shaking we were horrified and you know he's not one to scare easily and i should mention this too prior to this happening he did not believe in anything paranormal he didn't believe in ghosts aliens like other dimensions nothing he thought it was uh, it was all complete like bunk and bs and he kind of I, i've always been really interested in that subject but um so he kind of loving tolerated my fascination with it but he changed his mind uh real quick <laughs> like in about 0.5 seconds after he saw that and so he's been a, a believer ever since so we kept saying to each other over and over like what was that what the hell was that that's that's just all we could muster to say and uh finally after we had a few minutes to calm down much to his credit he said he was going to go back outside and, and check to see if it was still out there. And I, I didn't want him to because I was horrified. And like I said, you have to understand, you know, we're huddled inside and we're on this 50 acre property. It's dark out. 
and the nearest house is like a minimum of a 10 minute walk away. And so it's just us with, and we know this thing is floating like six feet on the side of the door and we have no idea what it is. So that made it, that really added to the feeling of isolation and kind of horror. So I don't know how he was brave enough to do that, but he was. So he grabbed a really big flashlight, took his weapon and uh, went outside. <laughs> and I huddled inside like a coward because I was still terrified. He did, uh, he said he did a full perimeter check. He shined it up on the roof. He tried to shine it out kind of into the darkness of the property and he couldn't see anything. Um, but that's not to say maybe it wasn't still there. I have a feeling it left, but at the same time, I mean, it could have been just outside the range of where the house lights hit and it was so dark black, it, it would have blended right in. We would have never known. And also, um, when he first went to grab his gun, I remember distinctly thinking, like, I don't think that's going to do any good. I got the feeling this thing could probably just float right through a wall or a window if it wanted to. I, I just didn't get the feeling that was going to do us much good. So, in retrospect, when you're in a moment like that and you're that horrified and you have all this adrenaline and what other ever other chemicals are surging through your body everything's telling your brain that you're in immediate danger and that this thing is horrible and you have to get away from it. Looking back from a calm state of mind, to be honest, I don't necessarily feel like I got a nefarious feeling from it. Like it was malicious. Um, like I told you guys before, if anything, it was more like it was maybe neutral and just curious. I mean, maybe it was even benevolent. I have no idea. Maybe it wanted to like use our bathroom. <laughs> Who knows? Um, all I know is that it was, it seemed organic and alive to me. There was nothing about this that either one of us thought felt ghostly. And that's the other really strange thing about this whole encounter is that, and I know this sounds super crazy, we can't explain why. And keep in mind, he was a skeptic, like literally just a minute before this happened. Mm -hmm. But as the, days, as the days progressed and we started talking about things, it was almost like we were finishing each other's sentences. Like, did you feel like, yeah, this, yeah, did you feel like that? And we both got some extremely distinct, it was almost like an intuition on steroids. So it's not like this thing, whatever it was, communicated directly with us that we're aware of, but it was like being within a certain vicinity of it sort of almost gave off like information via some sort of osmosis. Wow. And I know that's super weird but but that's true i mean we both felt it and it was like there were certain things we just knew we didn't know how we knew it but we just knew it um and uh one of those things that we felt like we just completely knew was that it seemed like it was a scout like it was almost doing reconnaissance or like it was off to go look at something it, it had purpose in the way it was initially moving so I don't get the feeling at all that it was based on its behavior, that it was there for us in any way. It was like it was off to do something, and then last minute it said, eh, I think I'm going to turn back around and like come come check these humans out. And um, it was just like it was really, really curious, uh, but it definitely wasn't afraid of us. I think the way that it did slow down and kind of approach cautiously but I think the reason that it did that, it was more a vibe like the way we would approach a little group of bunnies on the side of the road that we wanted to get a better look at. You kind of, you know, move a little more slowly because you don't want to spook them and scare them off. That was more of the vibe that I got. It, it didn't seem like it was scared of us whatsoever. It was just really, really intently focused, like looking at us and curious. 
Um, another thing that we both felt was that down that hill where it had come up from, uh, we definitely felt like there was more of whatever that thing was down there. Um, and again, I know this sounds completely insane, but like maybe there was some kind of craft or something. And we got the distinct feeling that this was um, extraterrestrial in nature. And I know based on its description, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, especially coming from somebody that, that studies paranormal stuff all the time. If I hadn't been the one to see this and someone came up to me and described what this thing looked like, I would probably think, oh, shadow figure or orb or, you know, something of a ghostly uh, spiritual type nature. But having been directly, you know, 15 feet away from this thing, that was not at all the feeling that I got, like whatsoever. It definitely felt extraterrestrial in nature for sure. Um, and I know that doesn't make any sense, but we both felt that. And considering he didn't even believe in aliens five seconds before, I think that's kind of telling that he got the same feeling. That's just so, mind-blowing. I don't understand how somebody can be even skeptical at this point with all the, this, you know. I, just, I just observing I just, that. Not, not observing that, but just like, you know, like I, I was at a friend's wedding recently. And I, I, the guy asked me, he said, I heard you had a show. People from my hometown, you know, they're they're not. They're, most of them are country folk, you know. And I don't disparage them. I, I'm, I'm I was born country too, and uh, so he was just kind of like, "I heard you got a show," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Man, you believe in all that old stuff?" And I'm like, "Dude, I, I've lived it." <laughs> I had this guy wasn't like a great friend or anything. I hadn't seen him since, we were, since you know. we were young, you know. I hadn't seen him in a while, and I had never told any of these people from my hometown about the house I lived in over here in Austin. I didn't tell them. You know, but some of them knew about the dog man thing. Well, this guy's about 10 years younger than me. But uh, I told him, I said, dude, it, it's, it's real to me. I mean, I know it's real. You know, and I yeah. looked him dead in oh, his eye. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I, I think there's a slight delay. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you guys off. Um, I was just going to say one thing I forgot to mention, too, is that uh, I found out later that property is apparently a major UFO hotspot. And we had a really adorable little 92-year-old neighbor um, that lived nearby. And we did a hay harvest every year. We'd help my family with that. And he would come and like drive a tractor even in his 90s. Sweet little Christian guy, like not the type that you would ever think would talk about aliens. We, to this day, have never told him about what we saw. But one day he just started talking about, yeah, I saw a, uh, a silver um, cigar-shaped like craft floating over so-and-so's barn. It was just hovering there. And we're like, what? And, you know, this is after we saw what we did. And then other people were reporting all kinds of UFO activity. And it's also right over a flight path uh, between um, military bases. So we had all kinds of, not constantly, but quite frequently, we had all kinds of military aircraft flying overhead. I don't know if that's related at all, um, but I just thought I should mention those things too. So I think there's definitely some very weird activity in that area. Well, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you're talking about the high plains area, correct? Um, not really. Well, I think Wolf did. Yeah. I, the high, I'd say the high plains are more like just flat, open, expansive land. Mm -hmm. With this, like you have a view of the mountains, like Pikes Peak in the distance. Mm -hmm. um, there's areas of flat land, but there's also like big boulder outcroppings with trees right. and all kinds of 
wildlife. We're and, talking about you know. going east of Denver. Like once you're east of Denver, at a certain point, it becomes the high plains. Yeah, uh, just because what, what she's comes talking to about mind, is a little yeah. further. In, or you, what you're talking about though is still closer to the mountains, right? I mean, it's it's on it's like the plains on, on one the, side and then the mountains on mm-hmm. the other. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Okay. I mean, it's kind of like there's absolutely no mountains to speak of other than the view the view but yeah yeah but they're but they're to your west right and you're they're the planes are to your east from where you're talking about yeah this is basically more um southeast of denver yeah. okay 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 now i'm just because it brings to mind the area where dr stephen greer this this gentleman that uh covers oh, yeah. you know the, the the contact with uh uh, extraterrestrial craft or UFOs, whatever you want to call them, how you, however you want to address them. But, you know, he has an area out there, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he, he, he referenced that he has an area out there in the high plains area where if you're out there, it's high elevation, but it's like, he calls it the high plains. You, you, you folks can look it up, but he claims out there on a clear night, boy, you can see the stars like interesting in the end and so i would i would recommend the people that are interested in what dr stephen greer does you know and if you're really into the the as far as paranormal is concerned you're, you fall under the the ufo umbrella or sub umbrella of paranormal you know go check him out he's got his his uh he's got his work he's done and and check out what he's talking about but it's really uh it, it doesn't surprise me is what i'm trying to say well it's colorado runs into Kansas, yeah, and Kansas yeah. ain't got no mountains. Kansas is no. flat, but it's it's high plains. Yeah, so that east part, uh, that, that that area when you're driving through there, especially at night, mm-hmm. you, you're he's right. You can see the sky. It's yeah, very, it's, it's, it's very dark too. Yeah, it'll, it'll get dark if there's no moonlight. It is mm-hmm. dark, and the stars oh, yeah. just stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, this, this Franktown property. I mean, for one thing, it's 50 acres, and like you mentioned no real neighbors to speak of, so you definitely isolated. Absolutely beautiful property, but at night, I mean, it takes on a whole different feel. It, it definitely has a spooky vibe, and not just that, but a lot of the wildlife, too. I mean, uh, you hear all kinds of stuff howling and moving. One time my ex almost jumped on literally a six-foot snake. That was horrifying, because he, he's, like, with snakes like I am with spiders, so that nearly gave him a heart attack. But, you know, you have to be careful out there, because there's definitely stuff around. And um, are you guys familiar with Linda Moulton Howe, yes, by we chance? Are. Yep. Sure are. Which which awesome. uh, which uh, part of her do you or you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I I was yeah. It's a pretty impressive body of work. Yeah. Anyone who's not familiar, I yeah. highly recommend googling her. I, I'm a huge fan. Um, but uh, she did a lot of study on like the cattle and livestock mutilations, mm-hmm. and apparently a lot of that was in and around this area where I was living. And as she well, would bring it to coast to coast a lot too. Yeah, that's that's where she got her start. Was the the cattle mutilation stuff. Yeah, so I guess there was a lot, at least some of that going on in this area I was living in, which I found out later. And I remember one time I was watching a YouTube video. I saved it, to be honest, I don't remember what it was even about. Obviously some paranormal topic, but that's not unusual for me. Um, And uh, suddenly I heard the word Franktown, Colorado. And so my ears kind of perked up because I wasn't really paying attention to it. It was just playing in the background. And my ears perked up and it and I can't remember all the details. It was a long time ago, but they were talking about like they found some kind of um, like circle that had been dug and the rocks around it were literally like molten steaming, like glowing. They were so hot. 
and it looked like something had taken some sort of soil sample or something along those lines. Um, I really don't know. I, I wish I remembered all the details. I'll have to watch it again. But again, my point is just it seems like there's some funky stuff going on yeah, around there. That, that property you speak of that belong to your, belongs to your family, in, it's obviously near a uh, hotspot area. It's obviously, if it, if not, right in the middle of it. So it, it, I, yeah. it's amazing. And, and that entity and, you saw was amazing. It's just, it's hopefully yeah, somebody there's, out there. There's a lot the, of history on the property as well. Oh, Okay. Uh, what was that? No, I said hopefully, the, uh, you know, some of our audience members or someone out there in our audience that's listening to us, you know, hopefully you're helping them. They may have encountered something like that. So, you know. Yeah, well, that was that was my hope because honestly, I've told very, very few people, just a few, you know, close trusted relatives and friends. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard for people to swallow, but people, the people that know me know me well enough to know I would never make up something like that and so they they believe me but at the same time it's hard for anybody to be like okay you saw this floating black thing I mean it's just it's really bizarre and um, the last thing I should add to that story um, I don't know if you guys got that link I sent but uh, so it was a long time after it happened I absolutely scoured the internet for months and months and months looking for trying to find anything that said sounded familiar to what I saw because some people when they have something freaky happy happen they kind of want to like push it out of their mind and forget about it and I'm totally the opposite of that like I want to get to the bottom of something and so and I'm pretty good at trying to sleuth out things on the internet um, but I just I could not find anything the only things that came up with search terms were like you know shadow figures orbs um, things along those lines and and trust me none of those fit the bill and then one day a Long time after this happened, um, I wasn't even thinking about this encounter, but I happened to be on a paranormal website, and I can't for the life of me remember what the website was, but it had this long list of links, and the links were kind of nondescript. They didn't really, they had a very generic title to each link. It, it wasn't like it gave away what it was about, basically. So I'm scrolling through this super long list, and something told me to click on one specifically. And I mean, this was like a list of a hundred or more. And it, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was something very distinctly told me, click on that one. And prior to this, I'd kind of, like I said, I believe in, you know, God and kind of a unity to the to the universe. Mm -hmm. So I'd sort of put out there, like, I give up. I can't find anything about this. I'd really love to have an answer. You know, can the universe please send me an answer to what I saw? And it really wasn't that long after I did that, that I had that intuition to click on that link. So I did. And my jaw was absolutely on the floor. I won't go into all the details because it's a really long, detailed story. Um, but suffice it to say, it was uh, from it, it was a story from 1989. It's been put on multiple UFO websites, and it was about two Russian truckers that were driving late one night, and they encountered a UFO that had landed kind of off to the right side of the road, and they pulled over. And what blew me away is that it, there's a whole lot more to it. But what blew me away is that the trucker who got out and approached closer saw these beings coming off the craft, and he said that they struck him that they looked like black bags. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, that's really specific. And then on top of that, at one point in the story, um, he, he kind of thinks in his mind, like, I'd really like to, to see the inside of the ship. And they gave him an invite, um, I guess, to 
telepathically or something to come mm -hmm. on the ship. Once he was on there, he asked, what kind of craft is this? And they said, uh, it's a scout ship. And those two things, I was like, what the heck are the odds that, that these two random truckers in the 80s would be talking about these beings that look like floating black bags and that they talked about it being a scout ship? And there was even more to it. But, but to me, I really kind of felt like maybe that was sort of an answer from, from God or the universe or however you want to put it. Uh, and it also confirmed what both my ex and I had felt so strongly that, it, that we thought it was extraterrestrial in nature. Wow, that's just amazing. And <laughs> I'm at a loss for words because you obviously, um, you had a very unique experience. And then you find a, you know, you find a story, for lack of better words, find a story that coincides with what you experienced. I, that's just amazing. I mean, to be able to well, find that. Yeah, and the odds of it, I mean, first of all, I wasn't even thinking about the experience when I stumbled on that link. I got the intuition to click out of this whole lengthy list on that one specific nondescript link and that it would have such specific references. I just, I can't believe that that's just coincidence. I don't know. I was really happy to get an answer. And in retrospect, because I am interested in unusual topics, I actually, I feel really honored uh, in a weird way that I got to see something so absolutely bizarre, like right there with my own two eyes. I'm super thrilled that I had a witness there with me because I probably might have questioned my sanity or, or second-guessed myself otherwise. And it kind of helps that he was a skeptic too because that, that really cemented um, that we definitely saw what we saw. That. But there's a, there's a part of me that sort of wishes I could have like not had such a fearful reaction and, and could have actually stood there and tried to, you know, interact or as silly as that sounds, communicate or at least, you know, observed it longer. But when fight or flight takes over, you just, yeah, your brain just, really is. Yeah. You, you go on autopilot once that kicks in. So, but it's understandably yeah. so. Wow. And I just hope someone that's listening out there will, uh, come forward and let us know and see if they, you know, and tell us their story, if they've encountered something similar to what you've encountered, because that's just really yeah, amazing. That's my biggest hope. Like one of the main reasons that I, um, cause what do you get out of it? If you tell something like this, maybe it's entertaining for people, but mostly you probably get ridicule mm -hmm. or people thinking that you're nuts. But I was willing to talk about it because I'm just like hoping that maybe somebody else on this planet at some point has, seen something similar and we can combine information or, or try to get some answers. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Because, um, um, I believe when we spoke before off the air, um, I mentioned to you about Brenton Sawin who has his own channel and he had that encounter with a Darrow when he was, I believe five years old and he went years before he came across any information describing these darrow creatures do you she, do you know what a darrow is um yeah I do, pardon me i do and i think i actually know the guy that you're talking about does he kind of have like a southern yes he's accent? from he's from uh lexington kentucky yep i know exactly yep, yeah I, I know who this but like you he had this very unique encounter with these beings that he he had not found anything corroborating these creatures until he I'm trying to remember exactly how he came across another story. And, of course, he, he came across a story. It was an older book, I think, from the 50s, where they were telling the stories 
about this Darrow civilization that's deep underground. And that was his first corroboration of what he encountered and, and what he interacted with. Uh, it was a negative interaction, of course, for him, but that was the first time. And then uh, I remember listening to one of his episodes where he had another gentleman that told his story about encountering a Darrow. So, you know, this, you sharing this story right now with us, hopefully someone out there may have a story and it will encourage them to come forward and let us know about it. Yeah. And who knows, maybe it'll be the same serendipitous thing as me stumbling on that link where the right person's listening at the right time, you know. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's weird because my experience uh, is so kind of different. It's unique. <laughs> it's, a lot it's, of the ones I've heard. it's definitely unique. This yeah, is the first I've ever heard of any any type of interaction like this. And and I listen to a lot of uh, I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts with people telling their experiences and so on and so forth. And the only guy that I could think of right off the top of my head that could potentially have something, a story of an encounter of any kind with potentially uh, an entity like you encountered would be uh, Mr. Albert Rosales. Uh, the, he's the author of the Humanoid Journals, and he's been collecting stories of, of uh, UFO-related stuff for years, uh, at least 30 to 35 years. And so he's the only guy I could possibly think that would have something in his archives related or, or similar to what you experienced. That's the only thing I can think. He's of. got an extensive body of work. Yeah, it's it's huge. He's been and he and he he, he classifies it all based on uh, like the years. Like yeah, he yeah. has it all through the years. Yeah. yeah, he categorizes it in a chronological fashion. There's another book. I think it's called Inhumanoids or something like something that. something like that. Yeah, no, 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 not his. There's another book. It's called Inhumanoids. Yes, um, yes, that's another book. Yes, it's not his though. But, but no, it's, it's not. It's a good book, and it, and it's got like a lot of really good stories in it. And I, I don't even remember how it was like self-published by somebody, I think, or something mm -hmm. like a group. But uh, I remember reading it a long time ago. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff out there, man. A lot of creepy stuff. You can't, you know. So, and uh, or Anna. Anna, I'm sorry, <laughs> Anna. I was gonna tell you. I need to stop. My my cousin's name is Anna. I had mm -hmm. I had to be able to remember that. I know. But um, mm -hmm. what I was gonna tell you is, we are going on three and a half three and a half hours here. So what I was gonna tell you, um, we'd like you to come back eventually. And uh, do do some when you go and you're going to be doing an, an investigation of the Gacy property, right? Yeah, in two weeks. In two weeks. So when you're done with that, get get back with us and come back and bring on some more of your investigation finds, uh, your EVPs. Bring us your other stories that you, and other properties you've done, and we can talk about all the other things you've done. Uh, today we kind of focused on the 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 Baumeister property, or no longer Baumeister property, but the Fox Hollow Farms. Yeah, and we talked about your encounter with what, what sounds like an extraterrestrial or ultra-terrestrial of some sort. Yeah. Some sort. And so, yeah. <clears throat> well, I wrote down those um, that title and also that that name, uh, so I'm going to look those up. And I had thought about actually um, uh, emailing Linda Moulton Howe, like I mentioned, because I figured if anyone has this huge database of experiencers, yes. you know, maybe she's heard of something similar. Yeah, definitely. But to be honest, she's one. Just something about your show. And I just wanted to talk to you guys first. Well, thank you for giving us that honor. I, we definitely appreciate it. And of course, you know, Miss Linda uh, Moulton Howe is definitely a uh, a great source to to refer to. And and of course, you know, Mr. Albert Rosales, you can reach out to him and and, and 
you know, pick at his brain and see what he has. I, I'm, Give him your encounter. Yeah, and yeah. Him, yeah. And then uh, he can because, put it in his archives. So it's really. Yeah, for sure. Really wonderful. And really, hopefully it helps somebody else out there. If, any, if anyone else has encountered this, hopefully at least it, it helps them. And, you know, I appreciate anybody that's had any kind of weird paranormal experience that's brave enough to come forward. Because the more people that do that, the more information is put into kind of the collective pool of consciousness. The more people will wake up to the fact that this stuff really does happen. People aren't having like a mass hallucination. You know, there's mm -hmm. it, it's the way I look at it is it's not even really paranormal. It's the normal. We're just not used to it yet. You Science know, it's just hasn't caught up that, to it yet. Yeah. And, and right. a lot yeah. of it, too. Many, yeah, our senses just can't pick up on it. But that doesn't mean it hasn't existed the whole time. Yeah. So and, oh, it. yeah. And a lot of people, you know, we've said it before on this show that uh, there's a lot of people that may not want to entertain this because the cause you know it causes cognitive dissonance and so that's not something that the average person wants to experience because it shatters their world view and their reality so well i was saying earlier about when i was at that wedding you know mm -hmm. and that guy was like you believe in that and i'm like it, it, it's real it's a reality mm -hmm. you know i looked him in, yeah. looked him dead in the eye and i was like dude i saw a, a wolf on two legs you know when i was 15 and I told him, I said, you won't believe how many people at this wedding I've actually spoken to who've seen this similar thing. And he started kind of looking around, like trying to figure out who it was. And I'm like, there was probably about <laughs> three or four at that wedding, you know, that I had spoken to, you know, that had confided in me about it. Um, and there at least one or two guys that I've known over the years that were out hunting, you know, uh, hog hunting mm -hmm. and uh, out, out near my hometown, you know, and they, they, they saw something. And I still to this day haven't told their stories because they asked me not to. I guess the fear that somebody might figure out who the they fear were. Of ridicule. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of annoying to me because like you don't trust me to not say your name. Yeah. You know? so. On my deathbed, I will give everyone's name. <laughs> no, just kidding, because they'll come after my family or some crap. So I won't yeah. do that. Definitely, but it's it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Anna, and you know we look forward to the next time you come back. Absolutely, you, you have a good voice. You speak well. So you're somebody that oh, can definitely you, come on. And I'm glad you chose us to come on and give your information yeah, to. Definitely. Uh, now now you got to sign the paperwork I sent you. There's a clause in there. We forbid you to ever talk to any other talk shows. You are now bound to us for all eternity. Uh -huh. Okay. I think I'd be all right with yeah, that. We're going to sign a blood no, pack. I, I really am. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm honored that you guys had me on. I really appreciate it so much. It's very cathartic, you know, and that's why I would. Uh, encourage anybody else listening to this if if you have a story to contact Wolf and Sal and and let them know what happened to you because you're definitely not alone. Mm -hmm. But um yeah you guys are the first this is the first public time I've ever talked about it and um it definitely actually helps because I've had it bottled up for a long time. But uh, uh, I can't thank you guys enough. The audio was a little bit rough at at in patches mm -hmm. because of the connection. But uh -huh. I th I think that, you know, you have a good speaking voice and you could do this in the future on other shows and whatever and come on and talk about your investigations. I think you could be the voice of your group. Oh, well, I'm extremely flattered, to be honest. Um, I mentioned this to you guys off air, but I'm battling a cold and I haven't slept much. And so I felt kind of discombobulated and all over the place. It's pretty I'm good, though. Really I mean, you, I think you did very well, all things considered. And I think that you, like I said, you have a very good voice and you're very articulate. You're very, you sound very intelligent, you know? Definitely. Well, I, I appreciate that. It's all a ruse. I'm really stupid. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean that you are intelligent. You just sound intelligent. You're like those serial killers that fool everybody. The facade. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
no, it, it was a lot of fun, but I, I do apologize if I wasn't quite myself. I'll, I feel like I'll be more on point when I'm. Uh, no, no worries. She really is very dumb, trip. folks. And, and when she gets <laughs> off the, the the phone, she'll forget everything. She's like Patrick yep. Star. You know, like, like, did you wash your car today, Anna? No, but I hit it with a rock. And, oh, okay. Once again, uh-huh. that's Anna. Just kidding. That's not a, so you're <laughs> You're very intelligent. No, seriously. Yeah, definitely. So, anyways, we had a good we had a good time uh, talking to you. I can't believe we went three and a half hours on there yeah. all together. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. That that's all this is all about. I mean, we're trying to get get the story information out. and stories and stuff. I did sleep yeah, a little bit, you know, during the interview, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I was just trying to be quiet and let you speak. Yeah, unlike Sal, who's yeah, not right. rudely I, and I chatty Kathy over here. Yeah. <laughs> But no, seriously, I just try, I try to, you know, I got some complaints that, that we were talking too much during guest interviews. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet. And when the show starts to suck, you'll know why. <laughs> then you'll be begging to have well, me back. When you guys have your banter, it's funny. And, and you're so knowledgeable about these things that um, I love listening to you when you go off on those tangents. I don't know how other people feel. They, but they, they get mad. They scream and pull their hair out. They're like so angry because we make jokes like the Salrician thing. There's a guy that continues to complain about that. And I'm just like, you know what, dude, why are you listening? If you hate, if you hate the joke so bad and you want to keep complaining, it's getting old dude. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you keep listening and you keep complaining. You know what? And it it made me stretch it out for a few episodes (laughs) because we were going to stop, but he just kept complaining. So I told my wife, I was like, you see this, I'm going to keep complaining just to aggravate that guy. But there is a form of magic that will help them help this individual to to avoid that bad joke it's called fast forward yep, on that it thing. is and it's for you know joke. what you can just not listen that's another thing either or but hey you know we're trying to just make it a very conversational um interview with folks just like if we don't interview we discuss us. there you go we don't have interviews because like because like vic when we when we did the interview with him or if you yeah, want to call right. it that you know he's That's like the right word. he's like i want to do a discussion the way you guys do it the way you talk yeah and talk he goes i would enjoy that he goes if you just rigidly put down a bunch of questions and i got to sit there like a robot he goes i can't do it yeah, you know, I mean, not, not that he couldn't do the interviews, but that he couldn't and he wouldn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he, and that's yeah. why his interviews don't last that long. We went about what three hours with Vic. Yeah, yeah with it was, Vic, it was yeah. pretty long because I mean, you could sit there and talk and discuss things, and I was tired as heck that night. But I, you know, I just was so uh, important to me to to discuss, have a discussion with the guy that helped me get my start. You know, so it was very important to me to to get that done. And I think it was also very revealing because many people thought Vic was this robotic type person, but it it was a side of Vic that people didn't think they existed. They rarely get to ever see or yeah, hear. It was the real Vic mm-hmm. on there. That's the real Vic. That's the Vic I know when I talk to him in private and and the the joking, we joke and laugh like crazy all the time. I mean, we really do. I mean, he's a funny guy. People don't realize that Vic is a, actually a very funny guy. And yeah, well, shout out to Vic because his show's amazing, and that's what led me to you. Oh guys, yeah, so. yeah, you wouldn't have found me without him. I mean, there there is uh, definitely a bond I have with that guy, and me and him have talked off air. We'll, we'll finish recording, and we'll just be talking. Next thing you know, it's been an hour, and we're like, "Whoa, dude!" You know, yeah. and we'll do that before the show, after the show, whatever, and we'll yeah. talk and talk. And Vic will talk to me and give me his ideas about stuff, and he was instrumental. Uh, him and Chris, you know, Chris were Edge. Edge, they were really instrumental in helping me get my show up and going. Uh, got support from people like Luke Penton and D. Doss. I like those guys. 
Um, yeah, we're not here to disparage people no, on, on what they're doing. It's 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 not a a format or a platform for us to be up here. Oh well, such and such on such and such channel is talking this garbage, and person X on other channel or is talking. People think that they're supposed to just listen to stuff. one of us. Yeah, like this one guy, he put on a comment. He said, "Uh." I tried. I'm going back to Vic. Like nobody told you to leave Vic, dude. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? You, you there's there's room enough in your life for more than one podcast. <laughs> are you that busy? <laughs> He's like, I can't do this, man. I'm trying to drink over here and raise a baby. I can't listen to you and Vic. I got to get rid of something. <laughs> it's like, dude, or whatever, you know. Seriously, jeez. There's yeah. another magic thing like on Facebook. People get so bent out of shape with certain posts. It's called keep scrolling. Yeah. And you don't have to comment on everything that pisses you off. Technology is amazing. It's really easy, I swear. Yes. I, I'm like you. It's You're uh, mellow. You know, I'm not. I'm like you as far as uh, the stuff like that. You know, hey, dude, person, girl, whatever. Ma'am, don't sir, take baby your, child, whatever. Yeah, don't take yourself so serious, you know. <laughs> Relax. Right. It's been wonderful having you on, folks. Please like, subscribe, comment, and the email, of course, is daswolfman88 at gmail.com. Or wolfandsal at gmail.com. Send us your stories. We want to Please, hear. and like and subscribe. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, and thank you again, Anna, for being on the show with us. And, and so, anyways, we had a good time, everybody. Goodbye. Uh, see you later. Y'all have a good one.